0: Welcome to a new series of Bob Into Buildings. I'm Bob Harrison. In this new six-part series, I'll be visiting more buildings on the island that have a story to tell. The two previous series are still available on Manx Radio's website. Just look for Bob Into Buildings under podcasts. Tonight, we are to take a look at the Douglas Harbour area around the present lift bridge. I was speaking to Charles Gard on site, and I said, looking back at the inner harbour at present, it's very hard to imagine it was a very busy fishing harbour.
1: Yes, I think uh, the 17th century is the first record we have of any sort of a pier. Just across from us here is what's now the Edward Pier. Um, That was all that was there, but it was much shorter. The Victoria Pier didn't exist, and the Battery Pier didn't exist, so easterly gales it just battered the ships battered anyone coming in you know the fishing vessels and so on and it was a real a real problem in 1800 they built the red pier which is now uh, just across from us here where the Edward Pier is. That was built by the British government, uh, opened in 1801 by the Duke of Athol, and they say that everyone in Douglas attended the opening and they all walked out on the pier because it was the nearest thing they had to a promenade. Yeah. So it was uh, of great pride, with a wonderful Georgian lighthouse on the end. Why King Edward? Is there a royal connection? When the Red Pier was extended and made into this pier... It was just at the time when Edward VIII had come to the throne. And it's the only civil work in the British Isles named after him because he abdicated immediately. And the timing was just right for him to give his permission for his name to be used here, and then he was gone and George VI came in. So we have the only Edward item in the British Isles. You mentioned also the battery pier. Now, that's got, I assume, nothing to do with electricity. No, and nor does it have anything to do with being battered by the sea, which I naively thought it oh, was. Yeah. It was built um, oh it's a long history of of uh, james abernethy who i don 't know whether he was a con man, but he built some sort of uh, latticework timber on stones over there in the 1860s which was immediately swept away i mean anyone you know building a marina in ramsey on the east coast there needs to be very careful the whole lot was swept away and then the battery pier was built and it's called the battery pier because just to the right of it above where manx petroleum have their storage was a gun battery Put up there in the 1860s for naval ratings to train, uh, using massive guns and shooting out into the, out into the sea. Okay. Um, uh, possibly, I mean, Napoleon was no longer a threat. Obviously, pirates had gone, and then it was eventually removed. But that's why it's called the Battery Pier, though it did uh, take a tremendous battering over the years. And um, further on, round the corner is Port Scullion. Yes, uh, that became a little haven of its own as the Battery Pier was built. Then, of course, in the 1980s, the Battery Pier was beginning to fall apart and they extended it with those fantastic stabbits, which are almost in the shape of the three legs. And the extension is now called the Princess Alexandra Pier because she came officially to open it. But the real story is the Victoria Pier, which uh, didn't really come about till the 1870s. Before then, if you arrived on the Isle of Man, and from the 1830s 100,000 people a year were coming here, you could not get your steamship or your sailing ship into the harbour at low tide. So you had mm-hmm. to anchor off in the bay, mm-hmm. and you were then, with your luggage and your family, decanted down a little rope ladder into the horrendous Douglas Boatman's Ta-da. Car. Absolutely. We've spoken before, and they are internationally famous for being blackguards. So. <laughs> There's one letter to the paper this poor man with his two daughters getting into one of these boats at one o'clock in the morning with his luggage, and he's only rowed off the edge of the ship when the boatman has announced that the fee has just doubled, and if he doesn't pay it, he'll dump his luggage into the water. Well, you're totally compromised, and you arrived at the Red Pier here uh, soaking wet, of course, or if they couldn't get in here, they often just dumped you on the beach in, in Douglas, in front of... there was no lock promenade, of course in front of what was back Strand Street. One lady said that um, she had been carried ashore by a big, bronzed, blue-eyed sailor, but I think she was putting a romantic tint tint to it you know, it was the great Governor Locke who brought about Locke Promenade that built the Victoria Pier and of course by the Edwardian period we were having over 670,000 visitors a year, so it was essentially, he also had a pier running from what is now the Tower of Refuge which he built of course in the 1830s and it would have provided even more shelter than we currently get because his thought was, ships out in the Irish Sea, of course no weather forecasting uh, could have used the Isle of Man as a haven when the storms blew up. If we turn ourselves back through
0: 180 degrees then and look over the present lift bridge towards the inner harbour, you can imagine on a nice day the noise, the smell and
1: everything coming from that inner (laughs) harbour. Well, looking at the photographs that John Nicholson took and others as well, as you say, Uh, Fishing boats coming in, coal boats. There was uh, markets all the time. Uh, Young lads going around in bare feet. um, Horses pulling uh, carts, especially loading the coal on and so on. It must have been the most fantastic place. Packed with ships, packed with fishing boats and all sorts of cargo ships. You're quite right. Um, And little coffee palaces and quite elegant houses as well. Um, Don't forget up until 1750... The smuggling on the Isle of Man was a hugely successful business. We were defrauding the British government out of millions of pounds every year in today's money. And along around where we're standing here, there would have been these bonded warehouses. So sailing ships were coming in here from the Caribbean, from India, from Africa, straight here. What an exotic mix it must have yeah. been. Offloading the silk and the sugar and the the brandy and the tea put into these bonded warehouses levelly reduced to small packages which were then trundled round to coves around the island and then with the fishing fleet taken off to England, Scotland and Ireland at night. Fantastic business.
0: I love the expression, the running trade.
1: (laughs) Yes. It's a great expression.
0: (laughs) Once again, if you would go back to look at old books of the harbour, I didn't realise where
1: the Market Hall now, reinvented Market Hall, was an open-air market. It was, and St Matthew's Church, which is now on the quay, the early St Matthew's, and the vicar was T.E. Brown's father, was set back. There was a big open square there. Um, but, of course, the, the the town has been developed fantastically since this period, and what I like looking at uh, North Key is that all the new buildings uh, are of a, of a type. They're not too high. They keep the whole historic harbour feel to it. Isn't there a room or something about... Captain Bly living here? Yes well after the uh, Isle of Man was confiscated by the British government on account of the smuggling they put their own customs officers in and their naval officers and in the 1780s indeed Captain William Bly was living just across the harbour there uh, going out in a cutter every day trying to stamp out the remains of the uh, smuggling. He married the daughter of the chief Uh, customs officer, Mr Beetham, and living not very far away was Fletcher Christian with his mother and family. They'd come to live here. And, of course, Peter Hayward, the young Peter Hayward, who had the three legs tattooed on his leg. He was also living nearby. So when Bly got the commission to go to Tahiti to get the breadfruit, he took two gentlemen officers with him. He took Fletcher Christian and Peter Hayward. And when they finally dumped him into his boat and threw the breadfruit sea, uh, in the Pacific, overboard... He is reputed to have said, I curse the day I ever knew a manxman. What words to ring out in the Pacific Ocean. (laughs) But, as you said, a great view down there. We are looking at that view over
0: the present lift bridge, and we're going to be talking of bridges a bit later on. But, okay, it's a monstrous lump of metal, (laughs) but they have tried with the towers
1: to sort of make it look semi-reasonable. Uh, I, I totally agree. It's officially called a bascule bridge. I think it was put up in 2000, 2001. The old swing bridge had long since deteriorated. Two stubby little towers with a, a very attractive uh, blue metal rectangle. It's totally functional but elegant as well and it lifts up extremely efficiently, letting the boats in and out and comes back down again with all the warning lights around about. So it does the job. But it replaced... The good old swing bridge? The old swing bridge was put in in 1895 and that really did improve the harbour because to get to the other side if you went in one of those little ferries uh, towards the mouth of the harbour you had to walk all the way round and there's a little quip at the opening ceremony that now the visitors who were up on Douglas Head had no excuse for being late back at the boarding house for dinner because they could walk over the bridge rather than go down the slippery steps to the ferries. When was it put in? 1895. That was quite far thinking. It was, but it's actually relatively recent. I'd have thought there'd have been another even a modest footbridge up at this end before then, but there wasn't. You had to go right down to the inner harbour there for the old Douglas Stone Bridge to get across. On the South Quay here, directly next to the bridge is what we call the bridge control building and in there is the most extraordinary victorian mechanism that was used to swing the old bridge we go over there
0: and just as we were leaving to cross the road to the old bridge control building i think the bridge knows that we're going over through the roundabout
1: well that's astonishing just as we were about to leave the warning sign start the barriers are coming down one at a time look at that all automated all watched by cameras, of course, from harbour control, as is the one in Peel, and in a moment the uh, mechanism will tilt the bridge up. At some point we must get in those towers because I don't know what mechanism is in there. It's certainly not like the great uh, accumulator we're about to look at. While the traffic was stopped, we nipped across the road, through the double doors, and straight away in the building we find machinery. We're standing next to a couple of huge flywheels uh, attached to a, a big flatbed engine with pistons on it driven by currently an electric motor but in 1895 it was a gas engine above us is a water tank and when this engine is switched on the water comes in to the pumps here and is pushed underground into that enormous red accumulator next door now this was designed by Armstrong Whitty um, a famous firm of engineers they did the similar system in the Tower Bridge in London and it was decided that this would be the way to swing the bridge much posher than at Ramsey if you go across the little harbour bridge in Ramsey you'll see two cabins one on either side Uh when it was time to swing that bridge two men had to sit in there and turn handles and actually mechanically (laughs) swing the bridge it's now electric But in here they built this huge tower and installed this astonishing machinery which until only a few years ago you could still work it was incredible you just marvel at the i don't know the quality of the work okay it's a bit grimy because it hasn't been used but that wheel says i'm a wheel it does and you can move the belt from one wheel to the other so you can keep the engine going without it doing any pumping because when that belt is moved to the other wheel that wheel's not connected to anything okay. and if I just lean over now and turn the wheel that massive I wheel I can assure you that wheel is turning
0: with no sound no whatsoever. sound at all
1: exquisite engineering and you know after what 120 years it's still in perfect condition I think it's known as an idler wheel an idler wheel you're quite right thank you for that
0: just yep, yeah, it's just wonderful to actually just sit here and look at it it must have been a
1: pleasure to actually work it. it it was it was very very simple to switch on and the whole point of this was pumping water into this 75 tonne giant big bean tin next door which is about 30 feet high that was lifted up by the pumps in here and held in readiness so when the man sitting in the tower at the top looking out of the window Mm -hmm. needed to swing the bridge. All he did with one finger was pull a lever and the water in that huge accumulator started to push down and turn these great pulleys and the ropes under the road turned the bridge. And there was enough energy in there for him then to close the bridge and do two more open and close. So it was instant instant energy. And it was ropes under the roof. Uh, steel ropes. You can still see them. We'll see them in the next room here. Okay, let's wander through. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six. It's a bit damp because we're below road level here. We are. We're in the floor, standing on the ground floor of this massive tower that you can see. And right next to us is this giant accumulator, painted bright red, which has 75 tonnes of iron and stone in it now this was lifted right up to the top of the tower by the engine we've just seen and then lowered down again very slowly when the energy was needed to uh, swing the bridge and over there you can see the massive water rams the great wheels that are about four feet across with the steel ropes going up and down and through a tunnel there They went under the road and were connected to the bridge to swing it backwards and forwards. A silent, smooth operation. The point of the accumulator was that the energy is waiting. It is accumulated there like a battery and waiting to be used. So when the bridge needed to be swung, the man didn't have to come down and start this motor or do anything. He just pulled a lever. And it worked instantly. And then when the bridge was closed and there was, you know, half an hour or whatever before the next boat's come through. Then they'd switch the motor on, lift the accumulator back up, and it was ready to go literally to seconds notice. It just seems a shame that all this infrastructure is here, apart from the bridge. Apart from the bridge, (laughs) yes. Um, Actually, I got that flatbed engine working about 15 years ago when I was in here, but I asked an expert recently about whether we could ever lift this accumulator, and he said you'd really have to take it to pieces to check that all the pipes inside hadn't corroded because the yeah. pressure would be enormous. So if there's any group of volunteers who would like to take 75 tonnes of stone out of it while we have a look, do let me know. You wouldn't want to be down here if that fell from the ceiling, would you? You would not want to be anywhere in it, and that is a genuine fear, so it'll never move again, unfortunately. Why was the swing r- bridge replaced? Purely traffic? Yes, it wore out and um, for a while there was a a footbridge there it's quite a complicated history and eventually it it was closed i mean it was a venerable bridge it was swinging several times a day and uh, it lasted very well for a time road traffic was stopped on it and it just became the footbridge and then eventually it just couldn't be moved anymore and the bullet was bitten and a brand-new bascule bridge was built. But a wonderful building to house it as well. It looks immaculate from the outside, with very little wear. This building is is superb, and we are standing next to possibly the highest spiral staircase on the island, all painted blue. It goes like Jack-in-the-beanstalk right up into the sky, and it's really worth, if you're up to it, going up the top and seeing what's there. Yeah. Okay. so... We climbed the endless
0: spiral staircase to the very top. We've managed to get up to the top of the building now. And if you're wondering where we are, as you go in the roundabout just prior to the lift bridge, we are now at the very top of that building with a superb lookout.
1: Yes, uh, the the view is spectacular. You you can see uh, Cumbria from here on that side. And looking west, of course, you can see right up the harbour. And in that little room there with the windows all around about sat the operator. And when he saw a fishing boat or whatever needing to come in, the little barriers would go down on the bridge. He would merely pull that lever that's just there... And this mechanism here would allow the water under pressure to turn this huge wheel and the chains and the ropes and the bridge would swing silently. And apparently when he was swinging the bridge back to the closed position and lining it up with the road, the lever, he he could just tweak it like this and it would just move the bridge by half an inch. So sensitive was the whole system. It's just an incredible piece of engineering. Did the bridge just swing one way, or, or was no, it able it, to go back the, the other? It, it could either swing to the left or swing to the right, uh-huh. and that was determined by very strong winds. I mean, yeah. if the winds were in a particular direction, he would choose which way to swing it. And there is actually a, a bollard by the big anchor down on the quayside there. If you're walking past there, you'll see a great bollard, painted silver, set in to the edge of the quay. It's not for tying up a ship. It's actually for putting a rope around to attach to the end of the bridge in case all this mechanism failed. <laughs> two men could pull still pull, pull by the rope. Apparently, that's as long as the two blokes aren't have been Ramsay on the <laughs> Exactly bridge. doing the other bridge.
0: Yes, <laughs> but this is immaculate. This building. It is. Uh, I don't know. I'm not going to talk centimetres. I'm going to talk inches. It's what 18
1: inches solid natural stone walling all up to this height it's extraordinary isn't it and of course if you strip the uh render off a douglas boarding house this is what they look like underneath it is fantastic stonework all quarried up on douglas head here beautifully dressed stone exquisitely built and great wooden beams above us and a huge wooden roof with all the rafters there in immaculate condition I, it's just we're so lucky to have this this mechanism here is unique in the world there are other accumulators around some of the ports in britain but everyone was built especially for the particular circumstances so there is no other one in the world like this and that to me is extremely important When
0: you you look at it, you're you're talking late 1800s. You could be looking at that machinery
1: and talk post-war. Oh, definitely, definitely. I mean, it's served for well over 100 years uh, (laughs) flawlessly. I was speaking to a gentleman the other day who used to service this, and he had to sometimes replace these wire ropes, but he could only do it at low tide when the bridge wasn't needed. So no pressure. He had to replace these massive wire ropes and go out in the tunnel under the road and and lash them together and thread it all and be sure that this was all done before the next high tide because the boats couldn't get in and out otherwise. It's amazing. <laughs> she said no pressure. And where do you learn that from? I mean, there's no instruction book comes with this. If, if there was, they've lost it a long time ago. It was the local engineers of the Harbour Board that had to know all about this, and that's the sort of information you pick up by trial and error over many years and pass it down to your apprentices. Uh, And, of course, all that's lost now. While we were getting our breath back, you said the bridge was left open at night? Apparently, um, when I did the tours last year, someone told me that their father was a fisherman, and the bridge was left open at 10 o'clock. And if you were in the British pub and you wanted to get across the harbour here and you were five minutes late, um, you, you couldn't get across. And apparently there was some often rough language coming up from the other side of the harbour. Um, but if I just show you this here, <laughs> this is a huge... A huge megaphone, so I think the guy up here won the argument. he got not he? Yeah. <laughs> you'd be very loud as you were shouting down with that. And they would not uh, close the bridge again.
0: <laughs> oh, I hope the bloke wore
1: a cap. <laughs> oh, yes, you know, I'm in charge. I'm oh, at uh, the top here, overlooking <laughs> the world. Well, uh, talking of that, there's a lot of personal stuff still here. I can see an empty bottle of Mazzola chip oil, and a little chip basket there. So they obviously uh, fried chips up here, and there's a a toilet here, of course. Um, So, I mean, they must have been very comfortable, little electric heater there. Uh, You know, they were on duty for hours. They had to be available at a moment's notice. You did the heritage tours. What were the general comments that were coming from Joe Public? Oh, extremely positive. How grateful they were to be allowed in, how amazed they were with what was here because you're not going to stand next to anything like that accumulator anywhere else at the moment. I mean, this was never open to the public even when it was functioning. So it's a real privilege to come in and see all this in perfect condition, beautifully painted in a very striking blue and striking red. And now we've got to walk all the way down the stairs. Yes, it's a bit easier walking down. Just don't go too fast you'll get dizzy.
0: Down we went again to the ground floor and then paused on the outside again to look at this historic building we're now outside the building as you can hear from the traffic noise and it's just you drive by this building and you keep your eye on the traffic you you forget the building it's such an exquisite building a bit like a, a tower that they used to erect for corn the, the, bit, the
1: overhang bit yes. where they used to have sacks and chains and up they went to the top that's right and um, the viewing platform sticks out, is wonderfully supported by carved wooden uh, supports there and peel sandstone above the uh, arch doorway here. Isle of Man Harbour Commissioners 1895, beautifully carved. Some of the letters have dropped off, but look at the elegant font they've used.
0: Do you see a future for this?
1: I'd like to see a future for you, it. You said about yeah. sort of uh, opening up at weekends and yeah. things like this. The trouble is, it's a lovely building in the wrong place. <laughs> well, it's, it's part of the historic harbour, which we're so proud of at Douglas. And if we start getting rid of these things, it won't be an historic harbour anymore. We, we've just been up to the top of it. It wouldn't take all that much to tidy it up on the inside.
0: OK, it's, it's been left for goodness knows how many years, so it's a bit dusty on the inside. But you could tidy that up and make it interesting.
1: Yes, I don't really think it needs any tidying at all. When I bought you brought, like that Mosella bottle, well, don't you? I do, yes. <laughs> but that's p- part of the history of it. There is no reason why it can't be open, and I'm sure we could find volunteers to manage.
0: On Bob Into Buildings tonight, with access help from the DOI, I've been talking to Charles Gard about the Swing Bridge Control Building on South Key Douglas. You can listen again to tonight's programme and programmes from the first two series as podcasts on maxradio.com. I'll be back next week at the same time with another featured building in this third series of Bob Into Buildings. I'm Bob Harrison. Good evening.